What's going on? Good morning, church. Y'all doing all right? It's early, isn't it? But at least it's not too cold. I hear it gets pretty cold, huh? Well, welcome to church. Why don't we stand up? We'll sing this song. I think you know it. It's a really pretty one. But it talks about raising a hallelujah to the only one who deserves it. Come on, let's sing it out. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Come on, sing. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. We sing, I raise. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. Come on, sing it out. I want to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the King is alive. Come on, sing it out. I raise hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah with everything, with everything inside of me. Come on, sing now. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the I raise a hallelujah Fear you've lost your hold on me Come on, sing I'm gonna sing In the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar Up from the ashes Hope will arise. Death is defeated. The King is alive. All right. I know it's stuffy. I know these masks are the worst. Let's just worship God. Forget about everything else that's going on. Can we do that? Just for a little bit, huh? So when we get to this next part, think about not just what we're singing, but who we're singing to. Yeah? Let's sing this out. We worship you, Jesus. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Oh, sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Oh, sing a little louder. In the presence of my sing a little louder louder than the unbelief sing a little louder my weapon is a melody sing a little louder heaven comes to fight for me sing a little louder I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder you're gonna hear my praises roar 
up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is the Come on. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm, louder and louder. You're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes. Hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. Oh, I raise a hallelujah. Come on, sing that. I raise. I raise a hallelujah. Come on, I raise a hallelujah. Sing, church. I raise a hallelujah. We raise. We raise a hallelujah. Come on, somebody give God some praise this morning. He's worthy of it, isn't he? Isn't he worthy of it? Amen. Come on, this next song talks about how much we need Jesus right now. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I'd fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Come on, sing it, Lord, we need you. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Well, sin runs deep. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found, grace is found. That's where you are, and where you are. Lord, I'm free. Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Come on, we sing it out. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Sing. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you Every hour I need you My one defense My righteousness Oh God, how I need you So teach my song Teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way when i cannot stand i'll fall on you jesus you're my hope jesus you're my hope and stay teach my song sing church teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way when I cannot stand or fall on you, oh, Jesus, you're my hope and stay, oh, we sing, Lord, we need you, I need you, oh, I need you, hey. 
let him hear your voice. My one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Come on, sing that one more time. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Sing my one defense. You're my one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Father God, we bless your name. The mighty, matchless name of Jesus. Because at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, we come to you knowing that our world is jacked up. Media is crazy. What's going on in the city is insane. But in the middle of all of that mess, you're still making a way. So we come before you declaring our lives as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable service and our acceptable worship. So right now, we declare that the rest of this service is for you. The Waymaker. Sing this. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. Come on, do y'all believe it? I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. Yeah, I worship you. Come on, tell it to him. He's right there. Waymaker, miracle worker. Promise keep light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Come on, tell it to him. Say way, way make miracle worker. Promise keep He's light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Say, so you are here. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. Come on, sing. I worship you. You are here. You are here, turning lives around. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. Mending every heart. Come on, we worship. I worship you. We worship. I worship you. Come on, we sing Waymaker. 
Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Come on, if you believe it, we sing Waymaker. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Sing, that is who you are. 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 Say that is who you are. 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 Oh. Yeah, yeah. So in the middle of all of this, right, the way the song progresses, it declares who the Lord is. Because you got to start from there. you got to start with who He is and what that, what that means. Now we declare what we're going to do because of who He is, right? So when we get to those situations we don't understand, we declare that He's the way maker, right? When we get to the place where we don't know how to work our way through, when we don't know how we're going to pay the bills, when we don't know if we're going to pass our classes, when we don't know what our kids are going to do, when we don't know how sickness is going to be healed, we trust in the Waymaker. So, right now, let's worship Him like He is who He says He is. Alright? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Say, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop. Sing. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You come on, say it. Even when, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop. Come on, sing it. You never stop. Last time, even when, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. Come on, we sing. Waymaker. Waymaker. Miracle worker. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Come on, sing it if you believe it. Waymaker. Miracle worker. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness. My God. That is who sing that is who you are. That is who you are. That's who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. Come on, tell them church. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. Come on, can we just can we just hear them sing? Waymaker, miracle worker, promise, sing. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Come on, tell it like you believe it. Sing now. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Sing that again. Sing Waymaker. Before we sing it, this is the last one we're going to do. This is the last opportunity right now that you'll have to declare to Jesus who he is. So let us sing from the bottom of our hearts 
prophesying to ourselves that he's going to make a way out of no way. Amen? Amen. Sing this out like you really mean it. Waymaker, miracle worker, that's who you are. Sing it out. We lift him up. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise. Sing. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Yeah. Sing waymaker. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Sing that is who you are. 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 That is who That is who you are. That is who you are. Yeah. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. Come on, somebody give God some praise this morning. Come on, somebody praise him if he's worthy. We give all the glory to God. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you want, you can have a seat right now. My name is Judith, and I'm your host for this morning. And I'm Nicole. And we're so glad that you are here. We're asking everyone, both in person and online, to please check into the service, whether that's outside on the QR code or online with the check-in button, all you do is press it, fill out your name information, and then that is it. So I'm so excited to see you all here today. We have a great group in person and I'm sure online. Something I wanted to tell you all about is if you are new or newish to Renewal, we have an experience just for you. It's called Next Steps. And our week two of Next Steps is happening after the second service today. So I'll be there. I'd love to meet you, get to know you more, help you learn more about Renewal and get connected to other people here as well. Because really everything starts once you get connected to others here too. Now I'm gonna invite our pastor Ken, one of our, one of our elders, up to talk to you about uh, how to live out your faith every day at work. At this time, I'm going to pray, so if you can bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this glorious morning. I thank you that you have allowed us to worship here in your holy presence. I thank you so much for Cam, and I'm thankful that you have brought him here to Renewal to worship with us. I pray for Pastor Ken as he, he brings the word, he brings the thunder, he brings everything as we as we listen to him and his words. I pray for Pastor Jared as he is away this week. I pray that you will watch over and protect him. And I pray for this service as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. church what's up um a couple weeks ago a friend of mine named david butler was in a car accident it was a pretty bad accident and he was airlifted to the hospital but he's okay now um, but he was scheduled to speak at a men's retreat in three weeks from when he had his accident so he wanted me to fill in for him and i felt like as a friend i needed to step into the gap so this weekend i am helping a group of men to follow jesus in new hampshire and at renewal church today we're going to have a real treat one of our elders of our church 
Ken Gilming is going to be speaking for you. He was a pastor for 30 years. He's a godly man who knows the scriptures well, and I'm really excited for the word he's going to bring to you today. So please put your hands together and welcome Ken Gilming. Thanks, guys. Well, it sounds like I got some people rooting for me anyway. That's good. Uh, I, my first job was when I was 15 years old. I was hauling shingles up on an old uh, log cabin house in the middle of Missouri. Can you believe that? I was paid a dollar an hour, and I thought I was getting rich at that. I'm just telling you. Uh, I made maybe $12, maybe $10 that day. I'm not exactly sure, but I thought, wow, this, this is my big time here, you know. And it uh, wasn't long before they taught me how to roof, and you got paid per bundle that you put on. So if I was fast putting it on, I could make more money. Um, and so, but you had to haul your own shingles when you, when you made that. So I, I think I made almost $2 an hour like that. I mean, I doubled my wage. How good is that, you know? And uh, so a, about five years later, as it would be, I owned that company. It was just a small little roofing company. And I bought it with my, my twin brother, Keith, and we, we roofed. And then we also, uh, worked at a meatpacking plant in the evening. So both of us working two jobs, um, we, we made a lot of money pretty quick. I mean, I was making $3.15 an hour at the meatpacking plant. I mean, that was like huge. That was the night incentive. And they didn't know I could only work at night anyway. But uh, we bought in, when I was 18 years old, Keith and I bought a brand new 1974 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme with bucket seats and it was tricked out. It had an eight-track tape player in it. It was absolutely a babe mobile. And about two weeks after I bought that car, I met this girl named Shirley. The rest is history. Uh, she, had, she had red hair uh, down here about like Crystal Gale. If you don't know her, you just need to Google it because that was a different century back then. And uh, we, we went out, and she fell madly in love with me, asked me to marry her, and everything worked out good. Uh, so after I graduated with my uh, bachelor's in theology when I was 22, I, I quit my meatpacking job. I, I sold my business and my roofing business, but I just kind of kept roofing on the side because they paid me $135 a week to work as a youth pastor at this church. You couldn't survive on that, and so I had to supplement my work by working my day off. I worked that job for 31 years, and I was a youth pastor for 11, then I was a college pastor for like four. My youth pastor, I think the highest we ever had was 125. In our college ministry, it really grew. We had like 240 college kids. It was a kick. It really was. I mean, we actually had drums. In the day, that was really big, you know, having drums. And uh, then I did a, maybe the funnest class I ever taught in those 31 years was a nearly newlywed class. It was engaged in newlyweds together. And we'd have like 70 couples, I mean, 70 people, 35 couples in there. It was just so much fun. We did so many crazy things. And uh, then I taught an empty nester class. And that was all while, the empty nesters class was all while I was a senior pastor of the church. And uh, I was a senior pastor for 10 years. And uh, I'd say... The last year that I was at Cherry Street Baptist Church, I spoke 150 times. I preached 150 sermons and then did 50 Sunday school lessons as well. So, I mean, I was, I was mentally exhausted. I don't know if you know how hard that would be, but it was really, really tough. Uh, the last year I was there, we averaged 180, I mean, 850 in uh, Sunday school and about 1,000 in church. And uh, so it was a pretty substantial ministry. I moved to New England about... Uh, 12 or 13 years ago to 
be the vice president of academic affairs at a small Bible college here. And I was there until just last year when I retired. So I've kind of done a lot of different things, you know, and uh, I really didn't make a lot of money. My, my wife's first job, she made a dollar working at Castleburger. That maybe you've heard of him in Homeland, Ho- Homestead, Florida. I don't think so. But uh, you have, actually. Her, their big deal was the Castleburger, and uh, she made that. She was a short-order cook. She's also, even now, just like one of the best cooks you've ever met. And it's uh, the reason I probably should weigh about 500 pounds. But... Uh, then she worked, but her real claim to fame was when she worked for the United States Postal Service for 30 years. So she gets uh, retirement now. She retired two years ago last week. And, uh, you know, I didn't get any retirement because as a pastor, they expect Jesus to come back. And why do you need a retirement if Jesus is coming back? And so I didn't get anything from the church or from the college that I worked at. And so uh, she's really the one that's been giving us uh, the ease of, 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 of lifestyle um, if I could kind of give you anything over 50 years, I've got this mantra that I, I drill into my kids, and it's just spend less, save more. Always work on a plus of your cash side. And uh, that's been really good with me. It's been good with my dad. It allowed my parents to give us a good inheritance, and I intend to give, make my daughter rich when I die. Uh, you know, I think, I've, I think maybe some of the advice I'll give you tonight, today is maybe more from my mistakes than my victories. You know, it's, it's easy to gossip when everybody else is running the boss down uh, for his terrible decisions. And it's easy to go with the flow when you're asked to do something unethical. Um, I, I once went into a board meeting with my direct supervisor, who was also a professor at the college, and I said, we have to have this senior's grades in before he can graduate, and you haven't graded his final paper. And he said to me, he said, uh, well, just average all of his grades and then put that in for his final paper and give him that grade. And I thought, that's tremendously unethical to do that. I would never do that. And you know what I did? I did what I was told. I really feel bad about that, even though that was like six or seven years ago. I wish I could have changed that. And I think, I think I've got some ideas for you that will help you figure how to, how to fix that. And if I don't tell you, you guys remind me at the end of the service. But, um, you, you know, maybe you work in a field that devalues or even discredits people who believe in God. Uh, maybe doing the right thing seems to keep you from getting the promotion you deserve. Or maybe you have coworkers that take every chance they can to belittle you just because of your faith. Maybe you're the only Christian in your office. That probably is with many of you here that you might be the only Christian that you meet all day long. So what happens in reality is we separate our faith from our work. We go to church on Sunday, and we really feel the presence of God. But then, you know, Monday through Friday, that's a whole different different bag of tricks. We've got to just figure out how we do that. And so my big push to you today is to how do I translate my faith on Sunday to my work on Monday through Friday? And there's a person that's a great example of that in the Bible. He's one of the few characters in the Bible that nothing bad is said any, about him at all. And his name is Daniel. Uh, Daniel means God is my judge. El is a, a construct for, the, for a primary name for God, Elohim. And so anytime you see a name that ends with E-L, like uh, Daniel or Noah, Joel or... Um, 
What? Nathaniel. Yeah, those all have those all have a, a derivation of the name of God in them. And so let me give you briefly the 411. Now, for those of you that don't know what a 411 was, way back in the day when you had dial phones, you could actually dial 411 and and talk to somebody and say, you know. What's the phone number for this person? And they would tell you on the phone what that number was. Well, okay, so the 411. Uh, as a teenager, he was taken by force from Jerusalem and put in slavery uh, in Babylon. And uh, he, along with thousands of others, were forced to walk all the way from Jerusalem to modern-day Baghdad. Now, I googled that. It's 647 miles to walk from Jerusalem to Baghdad. It's over desert. It probably took them months to get there. There were thousands of people, old and young. There, it, would, it would parallel the Trail of Tears where they took Native Americans from Alabama and walked them 800 miles to Oklahoma uh, in the wintertime. Only this was during the summertime and uh, probably thousands of people died. Uh, and, and so it would be like walking from here to Cleveland, Ohio if you'd ever want to walk to Cleveland, Ohio in the first place. And, uh, you know, so when they did that, the Babylonians took away their heritage as well as their wealth. Now, the Babylonians were the second wave. The first one were the Assyrians, and they were up in Mosul, uh, Iraq, which is Nineveh at that day. So that's where your first, your Israelites, your ten tribes went first. And then about 50 years later, uh, Judah and Benjamin go into captivity. And... They, took, they even took the gold from the temple. They made the young men eunuchs, which took away their future. Daniel was most likely ready or maybe already finishing with his schooling. He is probably 20 to 25 years old, probably about the age of almost everybody in this room except for me. And he was smart. He was maybe in the Jewish royal line. And... Uh, even the most treasured part of Jerusalem was taken. The temple uh, furniture was taken. And this is from the Arch of Titus in Rome. Maybe you've been to Rome. Out, just outside of the Colosseum is the Arch of Titus. And you'll see this relief there depicting this uh, exile into, into, into Babylon. And so they didn't have, they had absolutely nothing and so I guess the point of this would say, no matter, how, no matter how difficult it would be to live your Christian values in modern-day America, it wouldn't be as difficult as living with biblical concepts during the time of that exile. Wouldn't you agree with me? And so here we find Daniel, about like you guys in age, coming into a very hostile working environment. And I'm just asking, are there any cues that we can learn that would help us to understand how our Biblical true values could be translated into the workplace. Well, first of all, Daniel's biblical values were the same in Jerusalem as they were in, in Baghdad. And the book of Daniel begins by telling the story, I mean, almost immediately, that these smart, uh, physically attractive, strong young men from Israel are put into a cabinet because Babylon's lands are expanding. They need leaders over top of them. And so they take these foreigners and they re-educate them into Babylonian ways. And Daniel sees this, and, and in verse 8 of chapter, of chapter 1, he says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Um, therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him to defile himself. Now listen to this. 
And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the Enochs. You know, he is a way maker. He can do things that nobody else could do. In fact, the reality is, if you were Daniel, you would expect that to be a zero. And he would say, well, I guess I'll just have to because Israel's in suffering for the sin that they've done. I'll end up eating this defiled meat. But he offers him a, a, a solution. And it probably would have categorically been turned down because this, uni, this chief of the eunuchs would have been terribly afraid of Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, you're going to find out as we move through this book that he has a lot of really violent things to do to people that don't quite agree with him. And yet God had given him favor. Have you ever thought that maybe God could give you favor with your boss? Wouldn't that be a really cool thing? And so after 10 days, and they were eating what has been known as the Daniel diet, it's a, a vegan diet, basically. Uh, they're stronger, fatter, the Bible says, and wiser. Now, that's a cool thing because, you know, you, you learn knowledge by going to school, but you learn wisdom from God and God's word. And see, what happened was Daniel not only knew about God and knew about the smart things of how to administer a country, but he also knew God's ways. And that's what set him apart in the day that he lived. So he, he was a man that uh, men wanted to know. And I, I want you to know this. Actually, physically, socially, intellectually, with wisdom, your boss really doesn't care if he's not a believer. He doesn't care much about what you do on Sunday morning at church. Really truth. But what he does want, he wants you to be there. He wants you to be actively engaged. He wants you to have knowledge about your job. Um, and he wants you to be wise if, if that's even part of the component. And you know what? That's exactly what you get when you're a Christian. Isn't that pretty awesome? That's what Daniel had in his life. So the second thing was uh, that Daniel also uh, dared to stand alone and was a man of integrity. Uh, about, about a few chapters later in chapter 2, Daniel, Daniel uh, comes and there's a... The King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. Maybe you've heard of this. But he forgets the dream in the middle of the night. Uh, in the last three or four months, I've had some crazy dreams, but I forget most of them. Uh, I, I don't know if you're like that, but occasionally I'll remember... I remember sitting on the roof with my brother, my twin brother, and we were just sitting there talking, and he walked off the roof. And just kind of like, I saw him kind of like that. Isn't that a weird dream, you know? I mean, we haven't roofed together for 40 years, you know? And, uh, and I just happened to remember that because when he landed, it didn't even hurt him. And just like, wow. Uh, but Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. He couldn't figure out what it was. So he says to the chief magician and these soothsayers, he says, tell me the dream and then tell me the meaning of it. And the soothsayer says, are you kidding me? We can't tell you the dream. That's you have to tell us the dream, then we'll tell you what it means. I mean, how easy to get off the hook would that be? And Nebuchadnezzar says, no, I can't remember the dream, so you tell me the dream, or I'm going to kill every one of you, all you magicians, soothsayers, uh, wise and religious leaders. And Daniel was one of those. And so it gets back to him right before they're going to kill him uh, that you have to know this dreamer. He's going to start a whole new set of religious leaders. And so Daniel doesn't, and uh, uh, he... he he says, well, he goes to the king and he says, oh, he says to the eunuch, he says, if you'll tell the king that I need to go pray, I'll give him the dream and the meaning of the dream. 
So immediately he goes to his house. He calls his three best friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the three guys in the fire. You know the song about that. And uh, he has them pray that God would give him mercy. Now, I want, you to, I want you to hear this. This is really a cool. Blessed be the name of God is the prayer that David said. Forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Isn't that a pretty good prayer to pray even for the day that you and I live in today? He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. What a great prayer. And God gives him the meeting. And that, of course, is that there's this big giant statue, a head of gold, a neck of silver and shoulder of silver. Then you've got an iron body, then an iron and clad uh, clay uh, legs. And then you've got feet that are of more clay than iron. And he begins to tell him, this is prophetic. He's telling you're the head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar. You're brilliant. And you're the best of all these. And then you have this medio Persian, this two kingdom that comes after him. Then you have the Roman Empire. And so we know by history that that was a perfect example and explanation for this, for this dream. And so immediately, I mean, his credits just, just blow up because he has this wisdom and knowledge from God. And he becomes one of the three magistrates. And finally, the Medes and the Persians overtake Babylon. I'm moving through the story pretty fast. And Darius points him as one of the three magistrates or satraps for the entire nation. And there are three, but Daniel does such a great job. Now he's probably 80 or 85 that he exalts him to the highest of all those three. That makes him jealous. Have you ever heard about this story? Have you ever been at work and done something pretty good and everybody's a little jealous that you're the one that's doing so well? So anyway, he, he gets that. Uh, you know, I just want you to say that you can really do something for God if you allow him to be part of your life. Uh, if you'll stand alone, if you'll be a person of integrity, God will reveal those mysterious things. So these three satraps, these two satraps and several others start conniving against him. And they say, Nebuchadnezzar, you should be the only one venerated. You should be like a god. Everybody should bow down. In fact, anybody that doesn't bow down, you should go in the lion's den. And the king goes, well, that sounds pretty good to me. And so he signs the thing, and the law of the Medes and Persians says that you can't change it. And then when Daniel heard this, this is an interesting uh, thing. In the sixth chapter, it says, and Daniel heard that this was announced. He immediately went home to his house, opened the windows, and kneeled down at his bed and began to pray. He prayed to, toward Jerusalem three times a day. Now, I just, I just told you about a, a last story about how he had the guys over to pray at his house. This was something he had been doing for a long time. And he wasn't about to stop. It was, a, it was a small thing, but it turned out to be a really big thing. You know, prayer is a really big thing. When, when we had to shut down uh, every, every night at 7 o'clock to 7.30, we prayed. We did that for 112 nights in a row. We asked God to work during this pandemic. And we prayed for people, people that had COVID, people that had heart problems. We prayed for the health of the church. And I believe God honored that small thing into what's happening today. Uh, God can do big things if you rely on him. If you are willing to stand alone and be a person of integrity, which is what Daniel was. So he, he stood up, he prayed, even in those small things. I just want to tell you this, that God can use small things and big things. Prayer mattered even though it was a small thing. You know, there are several things. The food was a small thing, wasn't it? 
with Daniel. You wouldn't have said that was worth dying for. The prayer was a small thing. You know, probably bowing down to that statue, that was a big thing, you know? So there are big things and small things in our life. The trick is, or actually being led by the Spirit of God, is to know when God is working in the small things and the big things. Jonah never figured that out. God had to send a whale to Jonah to help him figure out, I'm into this, this is a big thing. But he still never quite got it, because you remember there was a gourd that grew up that God had prepared for him to give him shade? He never caught that that was from God. And the worm that cut the, the gourd down the next day, he ne- you know, and I'm, I'm wondering in, in our lives if there's a way that maybe God's doing some small things that we just never, ever quite catch it. Maybe we catch the big things, but not the small things. So how can I, how can I apply this to my life? It's a really big deal. First of all, be authentic. Babylon wanted the same thing as any employer wants. A guy in good shape, with a good education, some high octane, and willing to apply themselves to wisdom. So you know what I should have done? Ugh. How many of you, you know what you should have done about a week after what you did, or 30 minutes after what happened when you get this test? So here's what happened. Here's what I should have done. I should have said to my boss, hey, you know what? I got the same education as you. I'll grade the paper. I'll give him a grade, and I'll put it there, and we'll, we'll be able to record his, his grade. And then if he said no, do what I said, then I think I at least gave him that option. It'd be like Daniel gave him the option. Would it be okay if we tried? And then I would just pray God's favor on me to my boss. Do you see how that could work? I didn't do that, and I hope maybe you can. When you get there every day to work, think, how can God use me to him to show favor in my life so that I can be a blessing to other people. Uh, so be authentic every day of your life. Knowledge is different than wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. Um, we, have, we have an ox track that we are training elders in. That's where we gain wisdom from. Uh, there's an accountability among the elders with Elder uh, Leonardson, and myself and, and Pastor Jared, where we share the good and the bad. Uh, the sin and the, and the blessings in our life and ask God to use us in incredible ways. There's just something about being accountable to someone and, and that's, that's kind of what happens in a community group as well. We share our blessings and our, and our, and our weaknesses. Uh, people pray for me. Just, that's just like what's happening in this passage where we share good things and bad things that are happening with us. Uh, Really and truly, just knowing that we can rely on God, that God can take care of us is our second idea. Daniel's in, in the lion's den, the three men in the fire. Do what's right. Uh, God has a, a purpose and a reason for what's happening in your life. Embrace that witness for him. And when Daniel re- really needed to know something, he asked his friends to pray for him. Man, that happens at our CGs every, every week. Uh, at our online CG that I lead, at our North Shore CG that Judith leads, we're asking God to work in miraculous ways in our lives. And I'm sure that happens in any one of the other eight uh, community groups that we have. God can use you through that. And that's why prayer is so important. You know, when you separate yourself from your coworkers and ask God to make you a blessing to them, it changes the way you look at your coworkers. And the value of community groups is that they help you celebrate your victories, shore up your defeats, and give you a, a reason to engage for Jesus Christ. 
then look every day for small things as well as large things for God to use you in. I pray this prayer for almost 30 years every day. Good morning, Lord. What's your plan? Can I be a part of it? Help me to be an encouragement to someone today and help me to obey your word. Last week when Pastor Jerry was talking about um, the Lord's Prayer, in a lot of ways, that's exactly what the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's he's in heaven, he's in charge. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And as he worked through that, he began to realize that is the prayer that God wants us to live out in our life. Do you get up every morning and say, God, what's your big plan for me today? When, am I gonna, when are you going to show up? When am I going to have a divine appointment with somebody that you're going to use me? Is it going to be at work? Is it going to be on the subway? Whatever it is, God, use me in a great way. Live out those, the, the nine fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faith, self-control. Uh, encourage those who are your, your, their blessings among you. Also, um, kiss your spouse. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, be a blessing to your wife or your husband. In fact, if you kiss your wife or your husband every day before you go to work, statistics say that you will live seven years longer. So maybe you ought to just start banking it forward right now and just kiss your spouse. <laughs> See, God can use the small things is what I'm saying. Never underestimate the power of a kiss. Live your life with purpose. Know God. Before you can live a faith at work, you've got to know God. What does it mean to have faith? One guy said like this, forsaking all, I trust him. That's an acronym where you forsake yourself and your sin and you turn to the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. When he died on the cross, was buried and rose again, he paid your sin debt, so now you can become a child of him. If you don't know him, just trust him today and you can be his own son, his own son or daughter. Uh, let's pray. And if you haven't prayed that prayer, I'm going to pray it for you. And uh, you, can, you can walk right into the kingdom of God and know him now. Uh, if you are a believer and you have some issues at work, your, your faith, your work matters to God. I'll pray for that. Pray with me. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. But right now, I believe. I believe he died on the cross was buried and rose again. Please come into my heart and take my sins away. I pray this name in Jesus' name. Amen. Your work and your faith at work really matters. Um, Judy. such a great message, Ken. Thank you so much for preaching. Yes, please give him a round of applause. Oh my goodness, amazing. Um, if you have not done so at this time, please check into the service, please. We really need you to do that. <laughs> so you guys can go ahead and give right now. And there's three ways that you can do that. One is by downloading the Renewal Church Boston app, which you can get in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. Um, there's also a box that we have in the back that you can use. And you can also do text to give. So we'd love 
if you could gift with us together now. And we're just so grateful for your generosity. I just want to share something really cool that's been happening because of all of y'all here and um, your just generous giving to the church. So we mentioned Next Steps before, and um, we had our first round of Next Steps last month. And we had over 30 people go through that and learn more about renewal, learn more about following Jesus. So I just want to thank you so much for being such a generous church. And speaking about Next Steps, it's happening today after the second service. So if you could want to join us in that room in the corner, right after the second service, we will be here with cool swag and snacks. And please join us again next week as we conclude our series on Don't Waste Your Time at Work. Don't waste your work. There we go. Sorry. <laughs> um, so we'll see you here again next week. Bye. <laughs>